0: It's June 2nd, 2022. This is Rook. (laughs) Welcome to episode 182 of Rook. I'm Gian Gomeshi. Hope you're keeping well wherever you're tuning in from around the world. Hello to you from Toronto, from Canada. Salam Dustan Aziz, Durud Bashoma. Hello to you, Groovy Shaya. Hi, And hello to you, Smart Pega. Hello. Oh, get closer to the microphone. Right, oh. right into the microphone. Okay. Hello, Smart Pega.
1: Hello, how
0: are you? Uh, oh, thank you, I'm well. <laughs> You are uh, in the Captain Reza spot. It's a Thursday, so we have you here. Yes.
1: Uh,
0: and um, although you're not a captain, no, not yet. Oh, I see. Right. <laughs> right. I was going to say, how do you become a captain? But I, basically, we start calling you that at some point. I guess. Uh, let's see. Uh, actually, Captain Pega has a nice ring to it, but Reza would probably be very upset with that. Are Iranians lousy at dialogue? So, so here's the proposition: we we are a global community that seems to have trouble with productive and nuanced conversation. You know, Hushanga Tozi was on the show on Monday and he was talking about this. It seems to constantly come up, in fact. We, we, we've been talking about this for some time, but certainly when it comes to, say, opposition politics in the diaspora or different opinions on a nuclear deal or so-called friendly soccer games between Iran and Canada, things quickly descend into screaming matches or polemics where no side is allowed to admit any fallibility and we have trouble with dialogue. That's the proposition, and you guys agree with this, I know, because we've been talking about this as a team. So I really wanted to keep a dialogue going, if we can, about the difficulties we seem to have. Um, and this is at you know at a larger society level, in politicized social media debates, and in intimate relationships or family gatherings. Dialogue continues to seem to be a challenge for Iranians, at least when it comes to openness and honesty and transparency and tolerance. Um, like I say, this comes up on our show a lot. So we've got Dr. Soroush Daboo coming up. He's an Iranian philosopher, a scholar an author a therapist and he's examined these issues a lot both as a as a psychologist and a philosopher so looking forward to having him uh, joining us in just a just a few moments you know I was thinking as just as we were about to start the show here I was Mm -hmm. thinking are Iranians lousy at dialogue even the question (laughs) I feel like it would be I might think it's an insult if I heard somebody non-Iranian say it Mm -hmm. you know it's like our Iranians Uh, almost sounds snarky uh, like we're not Uh, but You know, if it's (laughs) (laughs) amongst, uh, you know, if we're talking to other Iranians about this situation, I I would say it's pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. And by dialogue, we don't mean that we're not um, enthusiastic about talking because Mm -hmm. Iranians certainly like seem seem to like to talk a lot. Yeah, there's no shortage of talking. It's more... I looked up the definition of dialogue, a conversation between two or more people, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Or as a verb, to take part in a conversation or discussion to resolve a problem.
1: Oh. That's where the problem comes
0: (laughs) up. Yeah, so when I say, uh, are Iranians lousy at dialogue, Pega, what's the first thing that comes to mind?
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and why is that?
1: I mean, I think part of it is you know, Actually, I thought about...
0: Not, um, not why is it in terms of giving a prescription, but just why do you think absolutely mm-hmm. yes immediately?
1: Well, the, the one thing that I got reminded of was the conversation with Dr. Shabani from last week where she talks about um, combative language. And that actually really came to the forefront of my mind when I saw this title because I think it's true, we get very combative and we're not taught to have proper dialogue.
0: Uh-huh. Like what, what's an example of what you mean?
1: Well, just getting defensive as opposed uh, to actually listening. Right. Yeah, right. We,
2: we are, I, I think, sorry to jump in. I think we are either passive or aggressive in our dialogue, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah.
1: Yes. There's no mid-ground. We,
0: we don't choose to be passive-aggressive, although we're that as well. Yes. But yeah. either passive yeah. or aggressive. Yeah. It, um, yes, defensive. hmm I can't remember the context in which she was talking about combative language. Do you remember what?
1: Yeah, she was saying that the she was referring to the evolution of language, and she was saying that more recently the conversation, or I guess the language, has become more combative, even in social media, even in culture, so music, things like that. We tend Mm. to be more combative in the way that we speak, and that really stuck with me then. And even in regards to the conversation of dialogue, I can definitely relate to that. I think that's exactly the case.
0: Mm. Did you do you have an example of combative language?
1: I mean, the soccer match, <laughs> the but conversation you, surrounding- So it's not
0: just the wor- the words we use, but how it goes to 100 exactly. right away. It's, yeah. it's, it's just uh, everybody's on guard. Everyone's That's got right. their ammunition ready and, and, and shooting at each other uh, kind of v- verbally.
1: Yeah, and part of it is that I also think that we're not great at listening. So mm. everyone's just ready to kind of jump in, but not really listen and-
0: well, and what I want to talk to Doctor Dabach about is, I mean, nuance too. There just doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, appetite uh, in some cases for nuance. The thing is, this, this, it really comes up on our show a lot. It would, it would, it would seem like some. Funny sort of you know stereotype or idea that we're uh, conjuring up to have a discussion about today, but it but you know there there's barely a week that goes by without somebody mm-hmm. making a comment about the the dysfunctionality of um, Persians with each other when it comes to communication and dialogue. We um, and on on a more intimate and personal level too, right? Not just political debates or whatever. We we when we had our psychologists on a couple of months mm-hmm. ago talking about um, intimate relationships and love. Uh, they just over and over again mm-hmm. kept saying it, yeah, but the number one issue in Persian relationships, lack of communication, mm-hmm. lack yeah. of honesty.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 and,
0: get, and then let's, let's get started. I mean, we'll have to, I don't know if Dr. D- Dabak will bring it up, or we'll, we'll have to talk about off as well, because oh, yeah. that by its very nature is... Mm-hmm. Um, dialogue that you don't mean you know i um, saying <laughs> saying things that intentionally that you don't necessarily mean I mean yeah. that's mm-hmm. like embedded in our culture in our in our ex- it's expected that we're mm. just gonna say things that are basically lies to yeah. each other yeah. and
1: actually I was gonna jump in and add one more thing um, I think also our culture puts in like sayings and, and different ways of trying to twist what we're trying to say so we don't ever talk directly but we uh-huh. try to speak more indirectly mm. And I Think that some also some people call that poetic, it is, <laughs> and it could be, it definitely All could right. be, but I think it also leads to miscommunication sometimes,
0: yes. yeah, yeah. And then, and then to add on top of this, and I really want to bring this up with Dr. Dabok because, um, Sush is big on Clubhouse, he's got <laughs> yes. like thousands of followers, like, right? I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean,
2: don't, once I, I saw that, like how tw- Twenty thousand people wow. attended one of his. <laughs> <laughs> what the the
0: fu- this is a funny thing because the clubhouse anomaly when it comes to Iranians or Persians it's mm-hmm. it's so fascinating to me. First of all, clubhouse is pretty much dead <laughs> as a social media platform um, for almost any other community. I mean, it's it's I mean, uh, you know, in the West, uh, you you don't mm-hmm. really. It's not like. um I don't know, famous actors or politicians. Or I'll be announcing this on Clubhouse. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, almost, it's almost absurd. It's known as this platform that got big during the pandemic and then mm-hmm. died, but not for Iranians. No. It's huge for Iranians, which, in the context of our question today around dialogue, is kind of a funny thing because. Clubhouse ostensibly is all about dialogue. Yes. Not necessarily good dialogue. Mm-hmm. That's the problem, I it's guess. It's
1: just because we like hearing ourselves talk. Or right, it could be. Right,
0: right, yeah. You're not including the three of us. No, in absolutely In
1: indictment yeah. of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, strictly referring to Clubhouse. Yeah,
2: to, to be honest, you, the only social media that I'm still subscribed to is Clubhouse. And why is that? Um, because, you know, sometimes when there is a good dialogue... It's really informative, and you can enjoy like listening with, like Surush Tabakh. I've been in some of his rooms, and you can learn literally. Mm, you can mm. learn instead of like uh, watching reels on TikTok. Mm-hmm. I prefer to go to Clubhouse and.
0: And uh, we should explain that part of the reason why Clubhouse is popular for Iranians is because it is a sanctuary of sorts it is a it is a place to go not maybe not a sanctuary but a place where dialogue can happen Mm -hmm. um in a sea of other platforms that are um interfered with or cracked down upon or Mm -hmm. or edited or or suppressed or whatever so so it it's kind of become this beacon of some form of free speech that uh, yeah. doesn't exist otherwise in in uh, um, media for Iranians, especially for Iranians who inside mm-hmm. Iran mm-hmm. communicating with Iranians outside of Absolutely. Iran, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, a positive element of Clubhouse. I I feel like I I've been inactive on Clubhouse because it just more, and I'm sure there's amazing rooms that you're talking about. I j- I, maybe I should go check them out again. But it 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 always seemed to descend into nonsense Mm -hmm. you know to a certain extent I wasn't getting I wasn't leaving conversations learning a lot some cases I was early on but I I
1: thought it's interesting that Shia was saying when the room is good or when the dialogue is good so as to you know, I mean, I guess it's not always, or most often it's not. Yeah. And I think that's the experience that I had with Clubhouse was I went into it thinking, oh, this is great. It's such a great platform. It gives everyone the ability to really voice their opinions or have that open dialogue. But more often than not, I felt it wasn't, um, it wasn't conducive to anything really.
0: Well, because Suresh is so big on Clubhouse, and because he studies these things, I mean, I'll be curious to get his take on whether he thinks mm-hmm. it's a positive platform. For I'm assuming he does because he's mm-hmm. so active on it that it's a, it's positive for Iranians. And where that fits into this question of whether we're lousy at dialogue or not. We are coming to you on RookMedia.com. It's there that you can link to all of our platforms. So we're on this ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, Instagram. Uh, If you like to see your visuals with Rook, Uh, switch over to youtube and if you like your rook descriptions and bulletins in english and in persian you can check us out on telegram and we do encourage you to go to our website rookmedia.com that that's the hub of all things rook all of our episodes all of our previous guests our funnies the contemporary history of iran episodes all of that is at rookmedia.com where you can also press the support us button uh to become a patron uh for just a little bit each month uh, to support what we do here we crowdsource and that's uh Really appreciate it. Hey, if you have not been to the Museum of Contemporary Art in Toronto, have you been, Pega?
1: I have not, actually. All
0: right. Well, if you have not been (laughs) to the Museum of uh, Contemporary Art, the MOCA, as we might know it, this is a pretty good time for you to visit. Right now at the MOCA Toronto is an exhibit entitled Shidi Neshat, Land of Dreams. Have you heard Mm -hmm. about this?
1: I have heard about it.
0: And you haven't gone.
1: I haven't had the chance, but it's definitely on my list.
0: Well, if you've not been to the MOCA, (laughs) Pega, Uh, lots of folks listening may know know of um, Shiri Neshat, an Iranian visual artist. Uh, she is, of course, known for her work in film and video and photography. She's one of the... Um, Uh, the great artists of our community. This is her first major exhibition in Canada in 20 years. It sees the convergence of photography and film bringing together a range of work in one immersive experience. This is stemming from her perspective as an Iranian immigrant living and working in the United States. Land of Dreams focuses on global issues of displacement, migration, and geopolitical conflict. It's running till the end of July. Uh, You want to check this out if you are in the Toronto area. The the central work that gives the exhibition its title comprises over 100 photographic portraits and a video installation, converging photography and film into that immersive experience. And uh, it is presenting a perspective, I should say, on contemporary America. Shirin Neshat, Land of Dreams, at the MOCA, Toronto, until July 31st, 2022. Do check it out. All right. We're going to bring our, we've got our guests lined up. We're going to bring our guests uh, in. So um, we'll talk more on the other side. (laughs) Thank you. Smart Pega, Groovy, Shia. If they're is an ongoing message or issue we have encountered when it comes to the Iranian community and doing this program for the last couple of years. It's about dysfunction as a product of lack of communication, both in a larger societal level, in politicized social media debates, and in intimate relationships or family gatherings. Dialogue continues, it would seem, to be a challenge for Iranians, at least when it comes to openness, honesty, transparency, and tolerance. At the same time, the social media platform Clubhouse, that is all about dialogue, Has become a big boon to Iranians around the world long after its popularity has waned amongst other communities. What does that say about Iranians and the desire to talk to each other? Well, we thought we would turn to someone who has examined these issues both as a psychologist and as a philosopher, and someone who happens to be very popular on Clubhouse at present as well. My guest today is Iranian philosopher, scholar, author, and therapist Dr. Surush Dabok. Dr. Dabok is known for his expertise in contemporary philosophy, religious reform and mysticism he was born and raised in tehran he's the son of the one of the most influential figures in the religious intellectual movement in iran dr abdul karim surush Dr. Surush Dabag received his pharmacy doctorate from Tehran University of Medical Science in 1998. He got his PhD in philosophy from Warwick University in England, and he's a postdoctoral fellow from the Historical Studies Department at the University of Toronto. He got his master's in counseling psychology from Yorkville. University in Canada. He has published numerous books and articles on moral philosophy, philosophy of religion, mysticism, and religious intellectuality, both in Persian and in English. And right now, Dr. Suresh Dabok joins me from Mississauga, Canada. Hello, sir.
3: Hello, Jian. Yeah, thanks for your invitation
0: you know i'm i'm somewhat exhausted from reading all of your degrees you i i do you think you have enough now how many phds and masters does does one man need
3: (laughs) i think enough is enough
0: yeah (laughs) so you know uh, there are so many things first of all i've been looking forward to having you on the program and i thank you so much for making the time to do this there there are so many things that we could talk to you about uh and uh, i'm already thinking i want to invite you back to talk to you about religious reform for example but we thought we'd talk today about dialogue and in fact have an open dialogue if we can you and i about uh, Mm -hmm. our community and communication and let me start with um, a very general question and that i'm curious to see how you will answer what do you believe the greatest issue is facing the iranian community and when i speak about the iranian community i'm i'm talking about iranians in the diaspora around the world and also perhaps iranians in iran who are listening as well what do you believe the greatest issue is facing the iranian community when it comes to dialogue and intra-community communication today
3: okay well um let me start in this way thanks for the question which you raised uh, as far as i can see and based upon my lived experience, both inside Iran and outside Iran, I can see lack of communication in a way is something which is missing and in a way needs to be improved and highlighted and trained. By lack of communication, um, I mean something which is missing here, I can refer to it as critical thinking. Something which uh, actually has not been trained, let's say, within us and has not been distributed. Generally speaking, critical thinking in terms of how, let me put it this way, uh, Socratic questions, Mm. truth and falsity, Mm. justification, and going beyond certainty, going beyond the point that I am entirely true, and acquiring the capacity of listening actively to others because dialogue is associated with active listening. Mm. It's not just the point that I'm talking to you or you are talking to me and I'm gonna be silent and just wanted to prove my point again without listening and without mm, caring to what we're saying. Okay, so active listening and kind of embracing to what is being said and try to make intelligible and try to put forward my own arguments and be... um, and uh, does believe that, I mean, uh, my ideas are tentative
0: Mm.
3: and it contains truth and falsity. It's not the case that I am entirely right, I am entirely true. So this is what I mean by lack of communication or, let's say, lack of education. Lack of education is
0: more important. I hear you on the critical thinking, and I want to get, I'm going to ask you about that. But, um, and in fact, I think it's quite profound that you point that out, because it, that maybe that's that's an underlying issue where um, it certainly doesn't feel like that's that's socialized into the Iranian community. Although, uh questioning things or sort of a, a, an overall kind of cynicism or skepticism uh, does exist, but not necessarily in the form of critical thinking that feels like a, an educated uh, questioning of, of ourselves, of, of concepts, of, of, of others. But can you just tell us how, how does critical thinking intersect with listening. I mean, it seems on the face of it, well, okay, so you're not adept at critical thinking, but why why does that affect our ability to listen to our fellow Iranians?
3: great the the way in which they are connected together as far as I can see is this that when I do believe in critical thinking, and i do believe what i'm saying that i do believe i mean something which is internalized already already within my mind and psyche so i as a result i do believe that my points and ideas are tentative it means that it could be true it hmm. could not be true and even even i don't know what about the weakness of my argument and claim so in this way embracing others let's say i mean let me utilize one phrase from one of the great 20th century philosophers uh emmanuel levinas the french philosopher so the other and otherness is crucial in this way and has got a constitutive role let's say uh when i do active listening so i genuinely believe that your comments could correct me not just not just the point that okay let let him or let her talk about what what does she believe no no
0: except no. accepting the fact that you may actually be wrong
3: yeah 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 and uh, accepting the point that my ideas could be fallible
0: see this is going to be something that a lot of people listening can relate to the idea that <laughs> <laughs> that Iranians have trouble uh, sometimes accepting that they're, they're wrong. Where does that come from? Why did
3: where did that start? Well, it's not easy to answer this question. I mean if you do ask me a historical question, but uh, we could talk about it and just um, talk, for instance, um, as an example, uh, some interpretation of religion in our culture, you could say that paved the way for this kind of certainty, which is associated with dogmatism. Mm. But it's not just it's not just origins from religion and religiosity. We could search and we could find it both, I mean, in different subcultures in our community and Iranian atmosphere. But I mean, again, let me just one phrase, lack of training in terms of critical thinking, mm. both amongst the religious and non-religious people I think has got a role in this regard.
0: I mean, I have to, you know, apologize to you and, and those listening that w- with the breadth of this conversation, I mean, it's, it, you know, there's, we're talking about a lot of things and it's uh, and and part of a, an open dialogue means that we, you know, it, it may not always be as focused as it wants. So I know when we're talking about communication and dialogue, there's a lot that fits under that category. Um, one of the reasons, one of the precipitants for wanting to have this conversation with you, and I hope it's an ongoing conversation with you and others that we have on this show, is we, not too long ago, had two psychologists um, here in our studio, Yasamin Karimi and Ned Bayat, and we were talking about relationships. It was actually Valentine's Day, and we were talking about dysfunction in Iranian relationships, and almost every answer uh, towards the end, they were just saying, well, you know, we have a problem with communication. We have a problem with communication. We have a problem with communication in our relationships between men and women, between uh, family members, etc., Um w- Would you go so far as to say this lack of training, as you said, or this lack of critical thinking affects the way a husband communicates with his wife or a father and a son?
3: Yeah, yeah, I can see. Can you elaborate what you mean by that? That you well, think if, you're asking that critical thinking affects this kind of daily Every day, I mean, relationships? Exactly. Yeah, because when you talk
0: about critical thinking and lack of training, where I'm I'm thinking about how we don't, you know, communicate our political ideas well enough, and and we get dogmatic about them when we don't listen to each other, etc. But but what about something as simple as you know the lack of communication that happens in, inside a family and inside an Iranian family? Do we attribute that lack of communication to these issues as well to, to these causes as well?
3: Yeah, we could do that. As far as I can see, because as a Trappist, as you mentioned, I have seen this kind of lack of communication and just nothing trying to illustrate or clarify what we mean or what we expect from each other at the bottom level. Let me utilize this metaphor, co-travelers. As co-travelers, when we do authentic dialogue, we are heading ahead. I mean, the point of departure is clear. But the goal is not clear in advance. Hmm. As co travelers, we go hand in hand. As far as authentic dialogue is concerned, but if I do not have believe, if I do not believe in this kind of, I mean, account of uh, dialogue, so what could happen is that unhealthy emotion, in terms of anger, in terms of um, sadness, even resentment, and so on and so forth could pop up. This is what I have been watching. I mean, when I'm listening to uh, Iranian dialogues within Clubhouse, it's just a matter of just proof, proving each other, uh, proving uh, somebody's, trying to do that. But this is not the purpose of dialogue. If it's authentic uh, dialogue, and as I mentioned, as co-travelers, we are supposed to go ahead hand in hand.
0: Let me let me come back to Clubhouse because I want to ask you specifically about it um, and how it's become this phenomenon for the Iranian community in particular. But just two steps back, when you talk about authentic dialogue, uh, you know, it does feel after a while it gets a little reductive to blame everything on the revolution and or, you know, big changes in, in Iranian society. But. How where, where does the revolution play a role here? I mean, has open dialogue always been an issue for Iranians, or do you think it was amplified after 1979?
3: Yeah, I mean, after revolution and before revolution both. But, I mean, since... Uh, this is the huge challenge, and this is the huge change. Sorry, which happened in our contemporary Iran. Yeah, the revolutionary atmosphere, generally speaking, does not help to empower dialogue and authentic dialogue, which I mentioned, uh, because it's, it's associated with emotion, and it's emotion. It's associated with. Uh, behavior and emotions and go beyond, or let's say, put down critical thinking or rationality. This voice on that time had not been heard. We know, for instance, uh, the late Bazargan, the first prime minister, on that time, Bazargan was more or less the only voice who wanted to upgrade, or let's say, empower and increase the level of tolerance and um, democracy to behaving each other but it didn't work at that time mm. it didn't work at the end of the day and he resigned and now we could see that we can see that it's the it was the lack of communication lack of education and the emotional attitude towards things which was associated with revolutionary approach they marginalized some kind of democratic and tolerance-based approach like Bazagon and others. As you referred to revolution, uh, this is the reason which I, I mean, uh, referred to that. Now, as far as I can see, at least in civil society, the situation has already changed. I'm not talking about the political leaders, no still the jargon, the discourse of anti-West kind of revolutionary discourse is being talked about and utilized. But as far as civil society and plain people, this is the huge change in comparison with what was practiced at the beginning of revolution. In other words, at the beginning of revolution, even plain people, the majority of plain people, they were revolutionary as well. They didn't care about, I mean, critical thinking at large. And But now the situation is changed, and the education, though we talked about lack of education, but, I mean, modern education and I think th- their lived experience, the experience of revolution, uh, different things has taught us in civil society to talk together in a better way, let's say, and in a more tolerant way in comparison with what had happened about 45 years ago, 50 years ago.
0: You know, I I don't know if this, uh, let me try it on you, I don't know if I'm being a bit silly here, but you know, philosophically, wouldn't um, uh, the creation of a revolution, be the ultimate paragon, the ultimate example of critical thinking. In other words, it's a it's a collective of people saying we were
3: wrong. We want to change things, right? So, no, I mean, it's not. I mean, uh, I know what you mean and where mm-hmm. you're coming from, but I mean, in the revolution, something which is uh, what happens is fundamental, and wanted to change all the way down. Mm in terms of education, institutions, and so on and so forth. But critical thinking is associated with reform, which happens gradually and step by step. And what we, I mean, by we, I mean Iranian people, we experienced 45 years ago, it wasn't as an example of critical thinking, because it was a rush. They wanted to change everything all the way down.
0: There's not a lot of nuance to a revolution.
3: Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. This is, I mean, this is the the nature of revolutionary approach and the whole idea of revolution. Yeah, and for instance, if you compare uh, historically speaking with another classical revolutions within, I mean, r- post-Renaissance, post Enlightenment, and post-Renaissance era, like I mean, French Revolution and Russian Revolution. In 18th century and 20th century, Iranian revolution was another example of classical revolution, which something happened and all the way down, everything was changed. In French, in Russia, and in Iran, we could say that. So that was revolution, yeah. And of course, it was entirely different from critical thinking and trying to reform and change the things step by step and gradually. And let me add one thing, if I can do that now please uh, this is my own idea now we know that uh, there are a lot of people inside iran and both outside iran that they are not uh, that who are not happy with what is happening economically speaking culturally speaking religiously speaking socially speaking and so on and so forth but from my perspective a lot of them has taken a lesson from the revolution which had happened about 45 years ago in iran the main lesson which they have taken is that okay revolution is not the solution necessarily and it would be better just to go beyond revolution and revolutionary ideas put it aside because we experienced that it didn't work so why it would be doable and why it could change the situation in a good and constructive way again mm. and this is the mm, i could say this is the biggest lesson let's say the most important lesson which the majority of people has taken from the revolution which happened 45
0: years ago. Uh, Dr. Dabal, let me ask you about um, trust because when we talk about lack of communication and Iranians digging into their opinions and, and not really listening to each other in, in 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 debate or in social circles or in family matters or in, in broader society, this issue of lack of communication we're talking about, um, to, to, to talk to me about the intersection of mistrust in that. And we, we often hear, again, these are generalizations that are made on this show, people talking about the Iranian community. I'm talking about Iranians here, not others talking about us. Um, talk about the fact that we, we don't trust each other. We have trust issues. Uh, where does trust and issues of trust fit in with problems of dialogue and discourse?
3: Yeah, it makes sense and it is to some extent relevant. I have to think about it more, uh, but on the face of it, we do have a uh, you know culture. I don't know the English exact for the tarof. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you about tarof, which yeah. uh, which is either a beautiful thing or or the ultimate example of disingenuousness. Just you know <laughs> lying to yeah. each other. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, and so the tarot here, let's say, I mean, uh, has uh, I mean, you know plays a role, let's say, in this regard, and kind of minimizing or at least weakening the transparency, which is required to collaborate to get in you know, to, to to work together in a collaborative way or just to talk about the issues. So Tarof, which is, as I mentioned, against transparency, I think has a role here. And the historical pessimism, let's say, about especially after the revolution, I can see that. Where does he or she come from? When, for instance, in diaspora, I I used to live in England uh, when I was working on my PhD. I did live there for about four years and a half. And I, you know, came across a lot of Iranian who were in diaspora and in Canada since 10, 11 years ago. And as you referred, yeah, I have seen several times that where does he or where does she come from? Hmm. Does she relevant to the system, let's say, to government, let's say? And where does, uh, for instance, his capital come from? So what I'm saying is that at least... I mean, in 40, 50, recent 40, 50 years ago, though it was the case in the past as well, before the revolution, we have heard about Sabah, yes And even whether or not he was Sabaki or you know, whether or not she was Sabaki. So what I'm saying is that the mistrust, which you mentioned, has got a um, historical um, aspect as well. Apart from that, the tarif, which is part of our culture, and part of our behavior, collective behavior, has got a role as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In terms of your role as a therapist or psychologist, does tarov ever help? Uh, I mean, is it ever? Has it? Is it ever a good thing? You know, it. It seems like a night. You know, this extreme politeness, ritualized politeness that we have with each other on the face of it seems a very sweet thing, but. Do you ever see it actually uh, as a positive, having a positive outcome in terms of the way we deal with each other?
3: Oh, well, sometimes it um, plays a positive role in terms of when you don't want to insult or you don't want to say something um, directly. As a result, somebody getting upset, you know? But generally, the negative outcomes of tarot is much, much more than its positive Outcomes. Yeah, yeah, you don't know uh-huh. where people
0: actually stand. I mean, we've talked about this before on this program. But even the first first few times when I got into a cab with an Iranian cab driver, and they said Kabul I was. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was like, okay, really? And then I realized that if I actually don't pay, the guy's going to, you know, take a swing at me or something. You know, they don't know. You know, they want to be paid, but we this weird kind of language that we use with each other. Yeah, it's very strange.
3: Yeah, very strange. Yeah, I do agree with you. So this is what I'm saying, that rock, being rock, let's say, and clarity and transparency is going to work more at the end of the day. Yeah. And we do, I mean, as a therapist, we do have a cognitive distortion, which is called jumping to conclusion. Yeah. Okay. And jumping to conclusion is what you think about. I'm thinking what Jian is thinking about me. and right. what, what about his right. Yeah, what I, your mind reading, let's say. So when we do use taruf. I mean, mind reading, which is an example of jumping to conclusion, is highlighted, is increased. Let's say, and we do think about each other when I'm, for instance, sitting, uh, when I'm uh, thinking about my relationship with you when I'm at home alone. What did he mean by that? Right. Why he said so? Why he behaved? And this is, you know, it's uh, it paved the way for doing, you know, jumping to conclusion and mind reading, which could hurt our mental health, and. Pushing us towards unhealthy relationships. Yes. Which could affect our mental health in a destructive way. Yes. Yeah.
0: If my. neighbor who has uh you know been in Canada for generations as a Canadian you know English sort of uh, who's been here for generations says to me oh i'd love you to come over for a drink uh, sometime this week i don't mm-hmm. necessarily question whether uh, he means that or not but if if an iranian says oh you must come over for a drink if you said that to me right <laughs> now i would you're right i would after the conversation go i uh, did he mean that, or was that taught off? Or you know, uh, should <laughs> yeah. I actually accept the invitation, or would that be rude? Or you know, yeah. I mean, it's and, yeah. and that seems highly dysfunctional.
3: Yeah, I do. I do agree with you. Yeah, this is. I mean, uh, this is a cultural issue, or let's say, it, this is part of our cultural baggage. I think it would be better for us to do our best to, yeah, decrease or let's say, minimize or lessen the level of tarot and the amount of tarot within uh, our communications and relationships. Yeah, I do agree with you. And I have done, honestly, uh, I have done um, what uh, I could do, I mean, especially uh, in the last five years in this regard, just within my circle, community and friends and colleagues just to... Uh, Listen. The amount of yeah decrease. The amount of tarof. You mean you actively
0: yeah. say can we can we try, try to be less let less to practice this less?
3: Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we have to start. I mean, in a collaborative way and just uh, together, yeah, collectively. Don't you think so? But, but I, yeah, I just
0: don't know how you really. Uh, I I yes, I do think so. That, but there's see, the problem is is that there is some valor associated with tarot. It's considered the you know, it's still got this. Um, some people really cherish it. I, I, uh, as much as they decry it, I know I have family members who appreciate it when somebody is very torafiy. You know, so, mm-hmm, so yeah. that that's the confusing part that messes with your head. Yeah. It's like, well, do you really want us to lose it, or, or, or are you yeah. being torafiy when you say don't be tarofi, You know,
3: part of uh, yeah, some social norms which needs to be revised honestly and fundamentally. These social norms. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about Clubhouse because it is such an interesting phenomenon for um, the Iranian community and uh, quite exceptionally so in my observation in terms of any other, virtually any other community I can think of. Um, First of all, uh, I guess it was about a year ago that Clubhouse became all the rage. How did you first get involved?
3: Oh, well, actually a friend of mine, some of my friends actually introduced me and mm, suggested me to just join Clubhouse. And especially it's mm, yeah, empowered, especially within the era or let's say within the period of um, presidential election, hmm. which was held last June.
0: The Iranian so, presidential yes, yeah, yeah, yes, Iranian so, election. Yeah, the Iranian election. Yeah,
3: so it was started from yeah last March, you could say. And then, I mean, within April and May, yeah, it was highlighted. You could say. Uh, and
0: yeah. you've you've become something of a clubhouse hero. I mean, you've you have a huge following. People there's always like thousands of people listening to you. Why why is it so suited to you? What do you like about it so much?
3: Uh, well, that's a good question. I mean, um, I think that because I do live in Canada outside of my country of birth I think that's a good I mean application as we talked so far together for commuting with my audience both inside and outside of country and then apart from that I can pay my role to um, institutionalize the culture of dialogue which we have talked together so far. Just uh, you know, uh, um, the part which I can um, do that, the part which I can contribute is um, trying to being engaged in authentic dialogues and um, through clubhouse. Do though, though as you can imagine, I mean I have received a lot of even uh, you know insults, Apart from a lot of positive comments, yeah. But I try to, I've tried to be patient and polite. The more the better. Yeah.
0: I have to say, in the beginning, I mean, it was this wondrous new development you know and it's it is exciting you you're suddenly in this room uh with a virtual room with all these people from uh around the world and you're having this dialogue but i did find um and i was only really active in the first few few months uh the reason i became inactive was because i i didn't find it was about dialogue I i felt like there wasn't a lot of listening going on and there wasn't a lot of great conversations it it felt like people, uh, uh, a succession of people just sort of grandstanding and, you know, wanting to promote their whatever they're, they're, they're doing. And I guess for someone, for it had to have sustained uh, the way it has for you, that either that hasn't been your experience or that Clubhouse has somehow gotten better over the last year. With What is the case for mm-hmm. you?
3: I do agree with you, it was the case at the beginning for me as well, so it wasn't a kind of dialogue, authentic dialogue, which we have reviewed together today, at the beginning, and it was uh, emotional, a lot of emotions were in the space, let's say, and in a destructive way, and insulting, and uh, even sometimes threatening. Yeah, threatening each other threat and threatening insulting they were amongst uh, some of the dilemmas but for me step by step it was changed in a way in a way that even i had uh with some clerics i did have some uh critical debates let's say hmm. some debates on religious issues like hijab or as the budget video as the water or fee for instance and i did have some uh debates with some atheists as a you know the taste and that was good that has been good for me i mean dialogue and discussing with the ones who do not agree they do not embrace my ideas but we can dialogue together in a polite and collaborative way so in a selective way what i'm saying is that still there are some Rooms, you could say, in clubhouse, uh, which dialogue and with each other is not happening there, but we can avoid them mm. and just go ahead according to our plan. This is what I have uh, done, and this is my own agenda, let's say, currently. Do some, for instance, I mean, within the next few days, I do have another debate on theism and atheism in one of, uh, with one of Iranian atheists who lives in, the UK and we have had several sessions so far, several mm. debates so far, five, six, seven debates so far, in a good and constructive way, as far as I can see. And this could enhance, this could enhance the level of communication between. I mean, uh, a lot of Iranians. I do remember it was four, five months ago that the first debate with me as a taste and my friend who lives in the UK, uh, which happened and uh, there was huge number, huge audience. And the moderator at the beginning, I think who uh, the lady works for BBC in the UK, said that this is the first, or I don't know, less than five times that in a professional and polite way, an Iranian theist and Iranian atheists do discuss together. Mm. And this is the privilege of Clubhouse. Yeah. And apart from that, there were, for instance, other guys who wanted to behave emotionally and impolitely and even full of resentment when they talk together religiously, politically. This is still the case as well. But as I mentioned, we can go ahead and go ahead according to our constructive agenda. But an,
0: an interesting thing has happened, which is that while Clubhouse has become something of a footnote if not a joke you know to uh just in some circles in, in the west i don't want to i don't want to suggest that it's uh there aren't people who love it embrace it who are who are non-iranian but but you know you hear it in pop culture in the in, in the west for example where people say oh remember that thing clubhouse that is now completely over it's finished everybody abandoned it covid ended and people went back outside and they don't want to have anything, anything to do with clubhouse uh That's not been the case for the Iranian community. Now, the obvious sort of conclusion would be these platforms don't exist in this open a way for Iranians and that's why it's made such a difference and that's why Clubhouse remains not just popular but growing in popularity for the global Iranian community. Do you think that's the reason that this is an an exceptional platform more so for Iranians that don't have access to each other in any other ways?
3: Yeah, I do agree with you, yeah, that this platform yeah, has paved the way to talk together especially amongst the Iranian who live outside of country and inside country. Whenever uh, a phenomenon has got its own effect and function, is it is still there. And the, pl- the clubhouse as a platform can play its own effect and function. Hmm. And this is the way because the if the function is there, so I think it's gonna last. I don't know for how long. But, but well, now,
0: well, well, yeah. well, when you say I don't know for how long, let me ask you why you think. I mean, look, the the conversation is so um, open and is so vibrant uh, amongst Iranians on Clubhouse that. Uh, months ago, I remember friends and colleagues saying, oh, the, you know, the regime is going to you know, close down Clubhouse any, any moment because how, why would they allow this kind of dialogue that hasn't been allowed for 42 years to, to suddenly take place? Um, why do you think the Iranian government hasn't shut Clubhouse down?
3: Uh, two things. Firstly, I don't know what's going to happen in the future if the uh, it is called as had his sea on that you know, internet privacy on it, which is talked about a lot in the parliament. If it's approved and if it's uh, applied, uh, I don't know what's going to happen afterwards, both right. for Instagram and Clubhouse and other applications and platforms. Secondly, I think, I hope so. I don't know. I hope so. The securities has arrived at this kind of attitude. And I could say, hmm, being wise that let us see i mean let us see what's what is, uh, what is being discussed openly as far as it's not uh, dangerous or as far as it's not affect our you know security uh, concretely speaking so let us see what's going ha- what is happening and what uh, people are talking about the and watching it and observing it i hope so the second thing that That was the reason which it was not filtered at the beginning, as you mentioned, or closed down. Hopefully there are some uh, um, specialists amongst them, among security forces that, okay, let's just open it up just to see what are the issues which, I mean, someone wanted to touch because it's just a virtual it's just spiritual, and then just talk together. It's not networking in terms of, for instance, they are not managing a, a I don't know demonstration and so on and so forth because it's not networking, although I they've mean, used uh, it they,
0: they've used it as well, right? There's been government officials who've gone on clubhouse and made declarations, yeah. and you know, so yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, even
3: some of the ministers, yeah, they do, yeah. they join clubhouse or from time to time. They take part in some of the sessions, yeah.
0: So it's such a pleasure to get to talk to you. I hope we this can be the beginning of a dialogue that we'll do more of. But before I let you go, you said something in an earlier conversation I had with you before we did this interview that was quite, quite heartening for me, uh, if true, where you said that you thought that um, Clubhouse has actually facilitated um, more – dialogue or, or understanding uh, within the Iranian community over the last year and and you were so used to things getting worse all, all the time that it was nice to hear something positive do you want to reflect on that as a, as a final moment here
3: yeah I think so this is my I mean impression my own experience that I think um, well there are some constructive and promising discussions as I refer to some of them in our uh, today's dialogue that, Um, For me, they have been useful and constructive amongst others that, for instance, I have seen and I have experienced, um, unlike the destructive comments which me and others have received in this platform, and I think we have to ignore them and try to highlight and empower the power of critical thinking at the end of the day as we discussed at the beginning. This is where my optimism comes from. There,
0: Dr. Surush Dabak, it's been a great pleasure. I thank you so much for your time.
3: Thank you so much for your invitation. Khadafiz. Khadafiz.
0: That is the Iranian philosopher, scholar, author, therapist, Dr. Surush Dabak. Uh, you can find him on Clubhouse uh, with large rooms of people listening to him. Uh, Dr. Surush Tabok joined us from Mississauga, Ontario today. Microphones back on for Smart Pega and Goovy Shia. So uh, he, he's quite optimistic about Clubhouse, first of all.
1: Yeah, yeah. Very. What yeah. did you
0: think of that, Pega? You were kind of. I
1: mean, my personal experience on Clubhouse, and, you know, like everybody else over the course of the pandemic, I spent a fair bit of time on Clubhouse and. I didn't feel so optimistic at the end. I mean, a lot of times the conversation led to shouting matches and people being thrown out of the room by moderators. And, you know, it wasn't really...
0: He seems to be suggesting that over time it is it is creating a space mm-hmm. for more understanding. But, yeah, I mean, uh, the the Iranian community does not seem a lot less <laughs> polemical all of a sudden. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I think it is something that you know you can learn over time, and maybe over the course of the last two years and since the pandemic, people have kind of learned how to engage in dialogue and mm. conversation mm. in a platform like Clubhouse.
0: what do you think of that thought about Clubhouse? <laughs> 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 it's interesting
2: because when you walk through Clubhouse and you go randomly to a Persian club, it's usually <laughs> yelling, like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> and when you go to a, like, a non Persian Clubhouse, it's like very calm <laughs> that you think that <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting. But I think I agree with Dr. Dabbok. I'm optimistic in terms of Clubhouse mm. here yeah, because it's really, I mean, I've seen th- that uh, it's really help some people to learn to communicate mm. you know at the beginning even they didn't mute the, their microphone <laughs> the right, right. <laughs> but now they know that
0: that was everyone to be fair we're <laughs> trying to figure it out figure out how this clubhouse yeah. works but, but yeah.
2: now i mean I, i've seen the result that people uh, gradually gradually mm-hmm. learn to listen and then mm. yeah
0: yeah i mean i was talking to um, a couple of the popular comedians who were on Clubhouse a lot in the beginning and are not as much anymore, mm-hmm. and they had the opposite view that it was this great. For a few months, it was had a great mm-hmm. moment, and yeah. now it just kind of descends into, um, you know, a petty arguments or 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 stuff. So, I, I, but you know, I mean, you can't argue with thousands of people being in a room, uh, and there being a platform for people to talk to each other. I thought, I thought. I'm still processing or digesting what uh, the conversation we just had with um, with Dr. Dabakh. I, I feel like he said something that is so simple on the face of it, but it was kind of a eureka moment for me where he said, um, like we basically, Iranians have a lot of trouble with uh, accepting or admitting fallibility, mm-hmm. like to admit that you're wrong. Like he basically, he said, he said, part of critical thinking and part of dialogue is to is to go into an opinion or a conversation with accepting the possibility that you might not always be right that you might not uh, be right yes. and that was so it really resonated with me because it was because when I think about it unfortunately I do think that that's a quality that I see in a lot of Iranians just an inability to to you know say that you're wrong you know yeah. an inability to kind of um, climb down from any uh, opinion political or otherwise
1: it's also because we're so prideful I feel like <laughs> we're, we have so much pride that it almost is difficult also for us to accept or admit that we are wrong
0: yeah but the, which is weird because they're not they, they don't have to be interlinked I mean mm-hmm. you can be have a lot of pride and in, in, in being Iranian or whatever and still be able to go, eh, maybe I'm wrong about sanctions or, or, <laughs> what, or whatever it is, you know?
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the highlight for, actually I have a question later I will ask from you, but the highlight for me was the question that you asked Dr. Dabbaugh about the revolution. It, it's, it was amazing you know yeah. That
0: not it, it the ultimate exercise in critical <laughs> yes. thinking I, I yeah. said no
2: it, yeah. well his
0: answer was so qu- he, you know he was Immediate. I really liked the way he deconstructed it he mm-hmm. said no it's not it's not critical thinking or you know kind of accepting that we are wrong when you do it omnibus when when what he said was basically it's a fundamental yes. everything's wrong everything's mm-hmm. so if there's no nuance to it yes. there's no Although he seems to be saying critical thinking, which I've only ever grown up thinking is a great thing, mm-hmm. he ties it to reformism, to, to you know thinking that things need to be reformed rather than, yes. um, and that's in some circles a bad word in the Iranian community, right?
1: <laughs> that was my aha moment, actually. I, I thought the same way I used to, well, I still kind of think that critical thinking is a positive, but when he started to bring up reform and the fact that that negative connotation it was mm. kind of like it made me think about you know whether or not but it, it
0: makes sense that if you're the part of critical thinking is is accepting that nothing is ever 100 percent right mm. or the, the you know that, that that you you always so so that a step-by-step you know approach um is the salient way forward in any se- scenario and presumably in a and, and wanting regime change or something. But um, um, yeah, I, th- I felt like that was his, uh, I, well, who knows? I mean, I, I thought the, the piece about critical thinking um, was a bit sad and maybe will be insulting for mm. some Iranians listening. But to be honest, you know, I hear this every day from, you know, Pariseau or, and he our folks who've come from Iran, you know, in the last 20, 30 years where, when we were doing the Contemporary History of Iran series, well, they'll say, look, we were never we were never told about this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, you were never told about how Reza Shah did these things? No, no, never told about that. <laughs> yeah. And we were never we were never told that this might be, there might be a different perspective on this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's really, yeah. that's really sad. Yes. I mean, that goes to the education system and yeah.
2: the, yeah. And even in the class when you like say in the second grade uh, if you ask a question back in that time i am not i don't know what right now like back in the time when i was in like second grade if i have a question and i ask a question i would get punished yeah uh-huh. you
1: know? i
0: mean that's tragic yeah right? Yeah. Because that's the exact opposite of what mm-hmm. of the way it should be yeah. or at least the, the exact opposite of the way things are were awarded here and and you know by the time you get into a, a liberal arts education in university or something uh, asking questions is the point it's right so like that's the idea that's what education
2: yeah. is right no, they, 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 they teach you that mm. but when you ask they would punish. You. oh what what's the question of silent and
0: Mm.
1: It depends on what you were asking. <laughs> <laughs> no. what,
0: what did you think about what he had to say about taruf, um, uh, which was that mm-hmm. he he said it's mostly always a bad thing.
1: I kind of like taruf, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about you know being it being poetic and the way that we speak being kind of poetic. I think it's it's so ingrained in our culture, and it it can be a beautiful thing, but sometimes if it's to the extreme. Then I think I would agree with what he was saying, but as a general, I don't think it's necessarily always a bad thing.
0: Well, he didn't say it was always a bad thing, but it sounds like you said you think oh, it's 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 mostly a good thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it has limits. Like I, I've been in situations for sure where I've been like, oh my god, I've had enough of this. But I think to a certain point, it's, it's see. Respect. To me,
0: to me, that this is a whole other episode we have to do, obviously. But to me, taruf. It's the same. It falls into the. It's like being greerati. It's the same, same falls in the same category where it's like the 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 dialogue around it is, oh, we shouldn't be tardofi. This is a bad thing. But ultimately, mm-hmm. there, at least in my family growing up, there was some valor in being tardofi. Exactly. Like it's like you. In fact, you're. It's kind of insulting if you're not tardofi. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying. This Respect. person came and they didn't. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they asked for seconds. Yeah. They should have said no. I could never eat more. Yeah. You know, like total found that. You know, <laughs> they didn't ask to do the dishes, and it's like, well, you know, yeah. I thought you wanted that. I thought you wanted honesty. You know, it's like, yeah, so yeah,
1: it's a fine line. But yeah, again, I think it goes back to the the concept of respect, and and it's so ingrained more than anything else. I think it's hard to to look at it as a negative.
0: Mm. I really wish. Um, it's it's such a it's a very uh, challenging idea that if we accept the proposition if we accept the question today that uh, our Iranians lousy dialogue if the answer to that is yes basically at the end of it um, yeah. that's a tough one that's yeah, a big yeah. that's a big mountain to climb yeah
2: so I have a question from you so yes. you you've interviewed a thousand people yes. And like, it's been two years that you... I've interviewed a lot more than a thousand people. Yeah, Yeah. it's like, yeah. Yeah, Uh, sure, go (laughs) ahead. (laughs) I got the point. Do you you know actually the exact number? How many interviews? No,
0: but it's, I would say thousands probably. Thousands, yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's been two years that you're interviewing Mostly uh, Iranian, correct. People. So and interview. Although
0: I interviewed Iranians in the past, but yeah. not exclusively. Yeah. Uh,
2: and so interview is a kind of a dialogue. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how how? <laughs> With hope, <laughs> <laughs> I hope it would be. Yes. So <laughs> how actually? How do you see? How did you see the difference between interviewing it? Uh, mm. uh, forget about the uh, uh,
0: language bari- barrier. Like.
2: That's such
1: a good question, actually.
0: Well, I uh, first of all. I cannot forget about the language barrier because I believe that if English is your second language, Mm -hmm. I've certainly observed this with Iranians, the same, oftentimes, the same Iranian, especially who has a great facility for poetic language, et cetera, in Persian, Mm -hmm. uh, will necessarily not be able to um, speak around a question or an idea skirt around it in poetic ways mm-hmm. when they're speaking in English because it's the second or third or fourth language. Yeah. So the upshot of that is that they'll tend to be a lot more direct. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I I, I I don't know if Shah Nusha is... Uh, I, I don't know how how indirect or whatever she would be in Persian, um, but yeah. she's an amazing, great author and mm-hmm. speaker who um, could speak in, in very sophisticated ways in Persian. Yeah. But if you say, you know, was the regime evil uh-huh. you know in english she's like yes they were you know i mean it's like very it's very direct yeah, you know man. or whatever so um so that's one thing uh, the language does make a difference um, uh, but in terms of like listening to your question and answering
2: your question hmm. instead of the telling their uh, story you know
0: i'm not sure that this kind of forum and the kind of guests that we have on would be an accurate sample of what we're actually talking about you know yes people are kind of on their best behavior or <laughs> trying to look good or you know they have not they know what they're going to say um and there's the the interviews that have gone south in the last couple of years with iranians um there's just as many that i've had that with non-iranians that you know uh so i don't think that that i don't think i could i don't think this would be the right sample size. yeah sample of um but i do observe in everything from clubhouse to persian media to the Kaaba B, to going to one of those galas um, the breakdown of dialogue seems so accelerated you know that the lack of of communication yeah. or 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 couples who are with each other or something like that there's so much drama you know passion and uh, drama and yeah. you know <laughs> I mean to state the obvious. uh, So again, I mean though one doesn't want to descend into stereotypes. I can just feel we're going to get some some letters about this. Why do you always? Why are you so negative about Iranians? And it's well, we're trying to have a dialogue about our issues. If we're only, if since we're talking Mm -hmm. to each other here, if we're only just um, celebrating and and banging the drum then uh then where do we get
1: but that's what leads leads to growth i think the fact that we can actually bring these negatives up as well and i i just wanted to add one thing when you were talking about the language um i was thinking of the interview with mm-hmm. and i've listened to interviews that he's done in farsi and as you were saying that i was thinking of the difference between the way he was yeah. speaking and it, it's it's
0: Although he so. admirably was speaking English, and yes. yeah, and he's very direct in English. Mm-hmm. Can't be any of anything else. Exactly, it's going to be very direct. Um, you know, when you said uh, it's a good thing, uh, th- these things like the debate around the—I uh, don't know if people around the world necessarily know—but there, there was going to be a, a soccer game with Iran playing mm-hmm. in Canada, yes. a friendly soccer game, and a lot of Iranians in Canada were offended by that and said, "We don't want this game here," and so the game was was canceled um but there's been a debate in the community about whether it should Mm -hmm. be canceled or not um you know the most important part of that is feels like that would be a great opportunity like what a great opportunity to Mm -hmm. talk about how we feel as a community what Mm -hmm. we think is you know is right or not And and to be fair there were some great contributions there were some great posts i saw in social media where Mm -hmm. people really expressed look this is where i i've come to on this this Mm -hmm. is why i support the game and all the emotions and thoughts Mm -hmm. i've been through and 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 somebody else saying here's here's how i've worked it out and i i really don't think it's a good idea that this game should be played in canada and i think it's a problem and and in that sense it's such a great opportunity it's unfortunately uh, I also saw a lot of the other stuff, which is just somebody being shamed for yeah. having bought a ticket exactly. to the game, or somebody yelling at the other person, saying, "Why would you cancel a game that I, you know, want to go to?" Or what? And and that's the part where, y- y- you know, I hope we can grow from.
1: Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. More opportunity for open dialogue, I think, more than anything else.
0: Yeah. Well, you know where the place for that is. <laughs>
1: Clubhouse I was going to say Rook but yes Uh,
0: thank you very much Smart Pega thank you thank you Groovy Shia to be continued we will uh, continue this dialogue about dialogue hopefully this is full time for Rook for today Uh, if you want to check out any of our previous episodes or any of our other programs our guests our outtakes video all of our video, Rookmedia.com is the place our website Rookmedia.com thanks to the amazing team who put this show together each week? Savvy Roham, talented Anahita, Ponta the Artist, the Fabulous Keon, Super Patty Saw, Smart Pega, Alai May Captain Reza, and Groovy shaya Thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you've not done so already. If you know somebody who might like uh what we do here at Rook Media, share it, let them know about it, send them episodes and uh, you can reach us at info at rookmedia.com at any time too or as well as posting on our platforms find me on Instagram at Giangomeshi, Gomeshi Mizubashi.